0: Welcome friends to another r slash nuclear revenge video, today I have some crazy nuclear revenge stories for you and our first ones from crappy username 37, beat me up, I'll run you over. This story's not mine, neither of anyone I personally know, but it's something that happened where I lived and it became news last week because of how gruesome and stupid it was. As it's public and on the news I'll try not to give names as to not expose even more the parties and their families. This happened last Sunday, April 21st. The revenge victim in the situation was an MMA fighter, and the perpetrator was his Uber driver. I'll refer to them as fighter and Uber. That night, the Uber picked up the fighter and some of his friends in a planned neighborhood in the suburbs of my city. The group was supposedly drunk and were screaming and making a huge fuss inside the car, which annoyed the Uber. He asked them to stop, which they did for a while, but soon after started again. They kept annoying the uber until he snapped he stopped the car on top of an overpass and told them to get out of his car this was late at night so it had no traffic the group started to get out but the fighter didn't like the uber's attitude so he started punching the uber right before leaving his friends take him off of the driver and the uber speeds off The fighters group start walking to a nearby gas station to wait for another ride, meanwhile the Uber makes it back around and starts speeding back in their direction and hits the fighter in the back, running him over. From what I heard, the impact alone wouldn't have been enough to kill a fighter, but that was not it. The force of the impact launched the fighter in the direction of a truck parked nearby, and he hit his head on said truck, killing him almost instantly while the Uber sped off. The driver presented himself to the cops last Thursday, April 25th. The fighter had two kids, and so did the driver. Needless to say, this is definitely one of those overly brash decisions that you make. Would you guys agree with me that to be able to go and do this and run somebody over like that, that you have to have a legitimate anger problem, whether that's a disability or a mental issue, or do you think an otherwise normal person could get riled up to the point that they would actually go and do that? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is from an anonymous poster. My mom's abuser gets what he deserves. This happened when I was much younger, and frankly, I'm not ashamed. After divorcing my dad, my mom hooked up with a dude who was really into drugs. I was 14 at the time. After hooking up with him, she pretty much abandoned me. I went a year without seeing her, and around 15, I finally saw her again. She was as thin as a twig and had a black eye. I immediately grabbed my skateboard and went to go after her dude, but my uncle stopped me and just told me, not here. We were at my grandparents' house. Fast forward a few years where I rarely saw her, and I would hear about the abuse here and there from family. I didn't get involved as I was a teenager and didn't even know where she was most times. Of course, she never told me about the beatings when I did have a chance to see her or speak with her. When I was 18, I was living with my uncle, the one who stopped me years before. He got a call late one night, and it was my mom. Her dude had hurt her bad. We loaded up two 9mm pistols and grabbed a couple of bats, then rolled out. But when we arrived, the cops were there, as a neighbor had called. Mom's dude was arrested and she was taken to a hospital. He messed her up pretty good, did a year and a half in the pen for it. After he gets out, he claims to be reformed, and they hook back up. Now I'm in my early twenties, she's living near me and I'm trying to build my relationship with her back up. I never would visit her when her dude was home and she would only come to visit alone. I hadn't heard much those days about the abuse as it appeared she was trying to clean up her act and things maybe were better with him. One day she comes to visit and I notice a ton of swelling in one eye and a bunch of makeup caked around the area. I observed but I didn't acknowledge. I knew what he had done. I kept my cool and gave her the impression I wanted to give him a chance as she had begged me to do for years. I invited her over for a cookout and gave her permission to bring him. My daughter who was a baby and her mom were present for this as well. Maybe I should have mentioned that earlier, I became a dad at 21 and we stayed together. This all occurred around the same time frame. Anyways, the day comes and she brings him. I had already stashed my favorite aluminum kid's baseball bat by the back door. Kid-sized metal bats are the best for home defense. I led everyone to the front yard to hang out and had my mom, daughter, and my daughter's mom chilling out there by the grill. I knew my mom's dude smoked herbs, so I made an implication that I'm growing something in my backyard and I'd like to show him. As he heads to the backyard, I told him I just needed to grab something from inside real quick. Side note, I'm really proud of myself for being able to play this all cool because inside I was raging. I see him waiting in the backyard and I grab my bat. I stormed outside and yelled, so I heard you like to hit women. I proceeded to beat the heck out of him, shins, ribs, back and arms. I didn't want to kill him as I knew I'd go to prison and I had a newborn to raise, but I did hit his head once accidentally. I just wanted to hurt him good cause I wanted to send a message. He crawled to the front yard as my mom yelled at me and cussed me out. She got him into the car and they sped off as my neighbors stood outside trying to figure out what happened. I kept all the action in the backyard so no one would see. But I made a point to yell at her car driving away, something along the lines of, DON'T LET ME FIND OUT YOU HIT MY MOM AGAIN. I just didn't need cops to come, luckily no one called. My mom didn't speak to me for months, nothing new here. I ended up catching up with a mutual acquaintance and I found out I cracked ribs on the dude and he had severe bruising all over. He couldn't really get around for a few weeks. Mom's dude asked said acquaintance whether he should seek revenge, but mom's dude was told he earned it, so he just accepted it and didn't move forward. I think he knew that if he did seek revenge on me, that my family, very old school, rural country type family, would help them disappear, so I owe them gratitude for their understood protection of me. They tried to help my mom, their sister, but she would just disappear with her dude any time loved ones tried to intervene. She is a grown woman, after all. That's my story. I'm not ashamed. First time I've ever told this publicly. But all these years later, it feels good to let it out. Well, I'm not saying a kid's baseball bat is the answer in this situation, but considering what was going on, you can't really blame them too much for feeling that way and doing that. I mean, if it's your own mom and you care about her a lot and you see that happening to her, they show up, silently trying to downplay it, knowing the turmoil they're going through... How can you not want to do something like that? By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. That said, our final story of the days by an anonymous poster, Crappy neighbor bullies struggling immigrants for 15 years. Their kid gets revenge and the crappy neighbor loses custody of her kid and is forced to move out of their house. Spoiler alert, I'm the kid. A bit of context first. I'm an only child, born in the USA to older parents, they were both 45 when I was born, who immigrated from Venezuela in the 90s. When I was two, my dad was shot in the head. He lived for another 13 years, but the incident permanently damaged certain parts of his brain, and he was a completely different person for those last 13 years. He went from being the most loving, incredible, caring, compassionate person around to an aggressive, violent jerk. Who blew up over the smallest things, but only ever at his inner circle, me, my mother, or other close family. He always managed to keep his composure around strangers for fear of someone calling the police and him getting arrested, but he would later let it all out on my mom and myself, admittedly mostly me. After the shooting, he could never work again, and my mom was forced into the position of being the family's sole breadwinner, We lived in poverty for many many years because the usa wouldn't recognize her college degree and she couldn't afford to go to college again so she couldn't work in her field and had to start at the bottom of the ladder that eventually passed when i was 15 of issues related to a shooting now when i was seven my parents decided to move into a town with a better reputation for their schools than the one we were currently living in so that i could attend a better school They bought a house literally on the edge of town most of this town is incredibly expensive but because on the other side of our street and across the town line there's a big complex of government subsidized housing our area is much cheaper this is the house with the jerk neighbor the house is a three family for the last 16 years we've owned and occupied the first floor while the terrible neighbor lived on the second floor until recently and the third floor had been occupied by over 10 owners and tenants over those years. None have stayed more than 3 or 4 years, and some have stayed as little as a handful of months. Now, the second floor witch, let's call her Karen because, obviously, she has a husband who we'll call Bill, and they have a young son, Henry. Here's the story. When we moved in, Karen and Bill had already been there for a few short months. The three of us, us on the first floor, Karen and Bill on the second, and the original third floor's owners bought the house from the same crew, who had bought it and turned it into a three-family, fixing it up in the process. Karen quickly showed her true colors as a bully. Over the years, there's been countless examples of nasty crap she's pulled. Her husband Bill is an immigrant himself and doesn't speak very good English. He's very submissive to her and does whatever she wants, but in front of other people, makes himself out to be physically dominant. In our first years here, they used to fight a lot, which we regularly heard from downstairs. They would yell, sometimes for hours, and occasionally it seemed like things got violent. Henry was born maybe 10 years ago. He doesn't factor into the story until much later. But anyways, the point is, whatever Karen's done, she's always gotten away with it. Here's a couple highlights. My mom always took pride in how well she took care of our trash bin and recycling bin. Every month, she'd give them a quick rinse after that week's trash day, just to make sure that they wouldn't develop a smell or a colony of bacteria wouldn't move in. Karen apparently wasn't so diligent, and one time, her recycling bin got really nasty, and I mean really nasty, so she just left it out back. Context, behind the house isn't a backyard, It's just pavement with a parking spot designated for each unit and began using ours. Lo and behold, ours started to get nasty and mom quickly went from spending a quick three minutes rinsing it out every month to about 45 minutes scrubbing with soap and water to clean it out. Eventually, we decided we'd had enough and she and dad sent Karen and the third floor tenants of the time a polite but firm email that basically said, Whoever started using our recycling bin, please stop and use your own. You never asked our permission, and we take good care of it. And ever since you began using it, it's become disgusting. We knew it was Karen and Bill, but Mom and Dad figured it was more polite without a call-out, and they didn't want to start anything. Within a week, two things happened. Karen and Bill got a brand spanking new recycling bin, and one week we found ours had been mysteriously destroyed someone took a knife to it and cut it to pieces we had no way of knowing who it was but we had a pretty good feeling we knew exactly who it was yes we had to get a new one because we had no evidence of who did it though my parents didn't say anything about it back when we could afford a car we haven't had one since our first few years here we used our parking space out back every time that karen and bill hosted a party which back then was surprisingly frequently, they would toss their trash over their balcony into the general vicinity of the trash and recycling bins out back, which is literally right next to our designated parking space. Most of the dents we had on our old 88 Toyota were from bottles thrown from the second floor balcony. We had windows break a couple of times, same deal. Each time it happened, my parents would politely go upstairs, knock on Karen and Bill's door, and respectfully ask them to stop throwing stuff over the balcony because we know you don't mean it but sometimes it accidentally hits our car each time they went and did that karen and bill stopped but they would do it again until they got caught during their next party again though my parents never wanted to escalate the situation so they never justified taking it further than knocking on our door and politely asking them to stop this is another example of karen's utter crap behavior but it's also relevant for the revenge part of the story, so I'm putting it after the bullet point section. Our basement is shared between all three units. Each unit has its designated space boxed out, kind of like office cubicles, and there's some designated common area in between. Years ago, like maybe eight or nine, Karen and Bill completely filled their designated basement cubicle, so they just started piling crap all over the common area. Eventually, they developed this enormous pile of junk in front of Unit 1's, our unit's oil tank, for heating. My mom and dad never said anything because it happened over a long period of time and they didn't want to start a fight. And as far as I know, none of the third floor folks ever said anything either. But it got to the point where she and her husband were taking up common area space that was easily twice the size of their designated cubicle. Now I'll be the first to admit that for many years my parents and I weren't great neighbors either. We didn't bully anyone, but due to my dad's condition, he could be triggered by seemingly anything and suddenly he'd be in a rage and we'd all be yelling. I grew up in that generally chaotic environment and yeah, there were several times when the police were called to our house for noise disturbances. But we kept our crap to ourselves, and we were nothing but polite and respectful to all our neighbors, always. That said, you can imagine that our first priority was always my dad and his stability, and we had enough on our hands with that, so he and mom always swallowed their pride and avoided doing anything to antagonize Karen, no matter how crappy her behavior got. And believe you me, there are plenty more stories on top of the ones I told above. After my dad died, I developed my own issues for a while with mental health. Growing up in a constantly chaotic, violent, aggressive environment took its toll on me, and for a time, I had deeply depressive tendencies. I struggled with thoughts of ending things for years and eventually wound up graduating high school after 8 years of attending classes in some form or another. Similar to when my dad was sick, I became my mother's top priority at that point. So again, Karen and Bill kept getting away with all her BS. I got better though. Nowadays, I'm even off psychiatric medication. I got my stuff together and graduated high school and even college. I have my bachelor's and I'm doing some post-grad stuff for a master's. Most of the way has been paid for by scholarships. Shout out to the book Confessions of a Scholarship Winner. But I recently decided that as an adult now and therefore as someone with a little more say in things around the house than when I was a kid, I had had enough of watching Karen bully my parents, particularly my mother, for so many years. I wanted revenge. Phase one of my plan was to ease my way into the adult condo administration dialogue. I began helping out more around the house, as in around the common area parts of the house. I single-handedly redid the back porch's flooring. It sounds like more than it is, I just pulled out all the floorboards and nailed new ones in. I replaced both storm doors, about 6 months apart, when each one began having problems. Different kinds of problems, doesn't matter what they were. I also took care of some comparatively smaller things. I weed whacked out back for a couple of hours, cut the grass out front a few times, and got up early so that I could beat everyone else to the shoveling every time it snowed one winter. Not 2018-19, but 2017-18. I also began wheeling back everyone's recycling and trash bins after trash week every week, not just our own. After the first two bullet point stuff, each time I sent out an email to everyone in the condo to let them know I'd taken care of it, all I asked of the other two units was for them to reimburse me one third of the cost of materials on their timetable because of course I hadn't given them a heads up, so it was only fair that I allow them to pay me when they can. The smaller stuff from the last bullet point. I obviously didn't need to announce. The idea was just that over time, the neighbors would see me taking more initiative in things and being more active, which would go on to justify me participating more in the intercondo politics. I also made a point to keep conversations to emails so that there would be a written record of every interaction. Phase 2 of my plan ran pretty much concurrently to phase 1, but had an entirely different purpose and was overall entirely different. I began gathering evidence of everything I could. I asked my mom to track down all the old emails she and dad had exchanged with the neighbors, documenting many instances that Karen and Bill had pulled crap. I went downstairs and took a video of Karen and Bill's crap all over the common area, particularly emphasizing all the highly flammable wooden and cardboard stuff they had piled up in front of our oil tank. I dug up and poured over the deed to our apartment, specifically the sections that detailed the rules around common areas and the limitations of our unit as compared to the others and vice versa. To my utter joy, Mom and Dad never threw out that old recycling bin that Karen and or Bill had knifed up, apparently because they just never knew what to do with it and never wanted anyone to ask questions. Naturally I dug it up and took plenty of photos. I did one other evidence gathering thing that needs a bit more explanation. Karen and Bill are awful parents. Mom and I regularly hear the crap they do to Henry through the very thin ceiling we have here. I'm decidedly not going to go into detail because even though I changed his name, he's still underage and I feel it would be disrespectful to him to do that. But let's say it crosses far into the realm of child abuse. This is a topic I'm particularly sensitive about because I grew up in a crappy situation myself, so believe me when I say this part is the most satisfying part of my revenge. Let's just say that every time I could hear stuff through the ceiling, I took out my phone and started a recording until it stopped. Finally, phase 3 of my plan was basically to bait Karen and or Bill into a trap I set. That, as it turns out, would have humongous consequences for them. Mom and I have this old treadmill that we got for free. It's in the kitchen and lately we've come to the conclusion that it just takes up a little too much space. We both use it a little but not enough to justify keeping it. She wanted to toss it out but I argued hard to keep it around because I knew I could use it for this plan. It would be my only shot. Remember how I mentioned we hadn't had a car for years? Well, eventually I convinced mom to let me put the treadmill outside in our parking space out back. I bought a large tarp to cover it with so it would be protected from the rain and I told her I'd start using it more if it was outside cause it's nicer to do exercise in the fresh air. I also sent out an email to Karen, CC'd to Bill and the current third floor folks asking her to move all the things in front of our oil tank in the basement somewhere else. Despite the fact that those things had been there for many years. I justified addressing it now because I'm the one addressing it and that's different from before because before I was a child and now I'm an adult who actively participates in the intercondo dialogue. I asked her to because the way she currently had it set up is a safety hazard and I'm just following the rules. I further let her know that if she and Bill didn't take care of it within a handful of weeks that I would have no choice but to take care of it myself. In the same email, I let everyone know that I was putting our treadmill and our parking space out back. So if anyone had any trouble with getting into their spot to please let me know. The same day I sent out the email, I put the treadmill out back. Now I figured nothing was going to change from all the other emails I had sent about matters regarding the condo's administration, and nothing did. She and Bill never acknowledged anything, the current third floor guy didn't want anything to do with going up against Karen. So he just thanked me for the heads-up about the treadmill and said nothing else. It's also important to note here that my real reason for mentioning the treadmill in that email wasn't in case anyone has trouble getting into their parking spot. Needless to say, sure, a treadmill in a kitchen is pretty freaking big and obnoxious, but a treadmill off to the side of an automobile parking space isn't really big at all. Plus, I placed it in such a way that it wasn't in anyone's way giving everyone ample room to maneuver around. It was just there, off to the side. The reason I mentioned the treadmill in that email was to alert her to its presence, and perhaps associated in her mind with my request for her to move all her crap in the basement. I also began using it at least three mornings a week. I timed it so that sometimes Karen and Bill would run into me as they left to drive Henry to school. Every time I saw them, I waved and greeted to ensure they'd notice me on the treadmill. Mom also used it a few times, but she wasn't part of my plan, so I have no idea if she ever ran into them while on it. Here's the other thing I did. I set up a video camera and our laundry basket. See, we have it permanently in the pantry, next to the pantry window that faces the back area. I buried it beneath clothing so that from the outside you can't even see it, but I bought a few massive memory storage-wise, not physically, SD cards, and kept the thing recording 24-7 with a timestamp. For two weeks, nothing happened. The camera recorded nothing suspicious, and Karen and Bill didn't move their crap in the basement. Their time was up. So one night, I got up at around 1 AM, when everyone else was asleep so nobody would hear me, and went downstairs to move their crap. Reddit, I can't express to you how much I enjoyed this. I bought a GoPro, strapped it to my noggin, and carefully recorded the entire hour and a half of moving stuff around. I took the enormous pile of junk in front of mom and I's oil tank and found a way to fit it all into their designated storage cubicle. In the end, it was packed. I have mild OCD and I nearly exploded at the end from how well organized physically everything was so that everything was neatly packed together and all of the space was used at maximum efficiency. It was glorious, packed from floor to ceiling, and almost wall to wall all around. If you can just imagine one massive, near-perfect rectangular prism of junk, that's what I created. It was a masterpiece, I was so proud. On the side the door was on, there was enough space to walk to either wall, but you couldn't move into it anywhere. I got back upstairs into our apartment and couldn't sleep the rest of the night. I was beyond excited. I wound up watching Infinity War to prepare for Ant-Man and the Wasp's then upcoming release. Sure enough, Karen and Bill took the bait. I must have been at school or work when they first discovered the basement because I never heard a thing about it. In hindsight, it's probably best I was out, even though I would have savored those angry shrieks like nothing ever before. In any case, within a few days, we discovered our treadmill DESTROYED. Similarly to the recycling bin of years past, it had been knifed up. I can imagine they probably wanted to straight up take a hammer to it, but they didn't really want to make much noise. So they wound up tearing the thing apart with a really big and a really sharp knife. They had seen we were using it, and aside from our trash and recycling bins, it was our only property that they had access to at that point. Several years back, I filled up the rest of the wall of our basement cubicle and installed a door with a lock. So our cubicle was now sealed off to everyone else, but the others are open and anyone can enter. Plus, I can imagine destroying a $1,000 treadmill is infinitely more tempting than a trash or recycling bin, so they went for it in retaliation for my stunt in the basement. After moving the crap in the basement, I started timing my treadmill use differently so that I wouldn't run into them. As soon as I saw it after they destroyed it, I went straight to the camera I had set up in the pantry. It caught the whole thing. In true fashion of their relationship, Bill brandished an enormous knife and single-handedly destroyed the whole thing himself, while she stood next to him and seemingly ordered him to do it. She basically kept pointing around at all the parts she wanted him to cut up. With that in hand, I called the police, reported the incident, told them that my mother and I felt threatened by their presence, and we filed a restraining order against both Karen and Bill with the police that same day. I turned over all the evidence I'd gathered of all their crap over the years, and I also turned over all the audio clips I had of Karen and Bill terrorizing Henry. I figured because it was all audio and no video, it wouldn't be enough to get them out of their care but maybe it'd at least get the department of children and families involved. Karen and Bill immediately claimed that I'd broken a bunch of their crap while moving it around in the basement. Crap that they, no doubt, had broken themselves. So I offered my GoPro recordings as proof that I had not, in fact, broken any of their crap while moving it at all. The restraining order a person's allowed to file with a police report is always temporary, but you can always petition the court to extend it. Once mom and I did that, it was granted. At that point, Karen and Bill hadn't been legally allowed to go back home for about a week. And since it became a longer-term restraining order, they were basically not going to be allowed to live in their own home for several years. Soon they made the obvious choice to sell the house and move elsewhere. Needless to say, selling a house you're not allowed to be near is a difficult task. And moving all your stuff out of said house is even more difficult particularly when you have so much of it. They wound up coordinating the entire house's sale from afar, with their realtor being the only person who came around to show the house. Once it was time for them to move, some relatives of theirs came around and packed everything up and loaded it into a truck. Also I was right, based on my recordings alone, Henry wasn't taken from their custody, but DCF DID get involved. I heard from their family that came around to pack their crap up, though, that Karen and Bill did wind up losing custody of him. They didn't say much as to why, but they basically implied that the abuse ramped up a lot after everything went down between me and Karen and Bill. Which is the only part I feel guilty about, but in the end I hope this is a situation where the end justifies the means. At which point Department of Children and Families was already sniffing around, so they wound up losing custody of him anyways. I have no idea where Henry wound up, but wherever he is, I obviously have nothing against him and I hope he winds up in a much better situation than he was. Finally, I'll say, for two such inordinately obtuse and disgusting human beings, they had surprisingly decent family members. The few times I ran into them and made small talk when they were around, they were pretty apologetic about the whole thing. I got the impression that this isn't the first time they're apologizing on Karen and Bill's behalf. I hope Henry's taken in by one of them and not chucked into the foster system. Here's hoping, kid. Considering the overall outcome and the ramp up in what the kid had to deal with for the short term, do you think this overall is a situation where the ends justifies the means? I'd like to know what you guys think in the comments down below. Either way, I definitely think that we can all agree that we just hope the best for Henry in the situation. And whatever living situation they're in now, you hope that it's much, much better than what they had to deal with. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories.